You're listening to the Run For Your Lives podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And this is the Run for Your Lives podcast. This episode, we're talking about the science fiction black comedy horror film Slither, written and directed by James Gunn and released March 31st, 2006. And this episode is another little bit of a special one as we are breaking the mold and having another guest uh person a guest <laughs> i was trying to find like a another descriptor it's like a yeah, guest just kind of <laughs> covers it um friend podcaster co-host of the episode please welcome des combs hey guys thanks for having me yeah. having me <laughs> we're so glad to have you on this episode you actually yeah. suggested this episode it it was on the list but I hadn't really been thinking about covering it this soon. And then you just said, hey, I want to do this one. So we brought you well, in. I heard you mention it, like, really briefly. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm in. I'm yes. in. Yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun one. And again, it's one that Paik had never seen. There's a lot of movies I haven't seen. So yes. <laughs> it's easy to do that. <laughs> It seems like every week we do a movie, you haven't seen it. Like, more recently, it's been like that. And I mm -hmm. think it's great, because we get to open and broaden your horizons to all the excitement and wonderful movies that are out there. Yeah. Good time. So, Des, without getting too much into specific points and stuff on this movie, why did you pick this one? Why is this the one you had to do with us? I, I just love this movie. It was so goofy at the time. I didn't know who James Gunn was when it came out, because pretty much no one knew who James Gunn was. I was already a fan of Nathan Fillion, just from some little projects he had done on TV and stuff like that. It's, it, and it was just so goofy when it came <laughs> out. And I always and I always liked zombies and alien invasion movies, so I was all in. Yeah. It was only a matter of time before Des joined us as a guest on this podcast, because he does love this type of movie. And it's our jam. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, of course, with a guest, our uh, format's a little bit different. We like to do just kind of a top three, even though I feel like this week, the way our notes, since we lightly talked a little bit before recording, the way it looks like our notes are kind of set up, it's still going to be kind of just a back and forth on character driven stuff. And we'll see where where notes go. But it's just going to be a conversation, I really feel. But I'm glad I get to go last and just play cleanup hitter tonight. <laughs> That'll be fine. Um <laughs> So yeah, it'll be a little bit different with a top three format. But before we get into that, Daphne always has her awesome, fun, behind-the-scenes things to kick us off with. Yes, well, this week I have a few things to mention. It was filmed in Langley, Cleverdale, Surrey, Vancouver, and Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. This was the film that introduced the world to the amazingness that is James Gunn. Although two years prior, he did write the script for Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake. So we kind of learned a little bit about him before this one. But this really kind of, I guess this was the one that put him front and center as the leader of the movie. Mm -hmm. We did cover Dawn of the Dead 
on a previous episode this season, so you'll have to check that out. He has brought us so many wonderful things since then, including Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, and most recently, The Suicide Squad. And he's behind this charming little TV series called Peacemaker. Do you want to taste it? I don't know. Do you really want to taste it? No. (laughs) (laughs) But I love him most of all for giving me this wonderful little film called The Belko Experiment. There were a few people in this film that were also in Belko, so it was kind of cool. James Gunn's one of those directors who has his go-to people he likes to use in a lot of different projects. Michael Rooker definitely being a big one. Definitely. (laughs) In fact, I think Michael Rooker has been in every single thing that we have mentioned that he directed so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think so. Except for Peacemaker, but that's a TV show. Movies. (laughs) I know. And then when I mentioned that, I realized why you picked that song to add (laughs) to our playlist. But, you know, Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad, so it's the same universe. He's just, he's dead. He was there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Maybe a flashback. We did get him in a flashback, actually. Yeah. Now that I think about it, he was in a quick little flashback when they talked about the head bombs exploding. So, yeah. (laughs) I think that was a thing. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) <laughs> the budget for slither was 15 million but it only grossed 12.8 million at the box office although it was a failure at the box office it has a cult following that's kind of given it a lot of love since then it was 95 minutes of hilariousness so Pake, you know what time it is uh-huh got a little synopsis for you and this time i picked the most in-depth, really, you know, solid synopsis I could possibly find that really breaks things down beat by beat. Sure. A small town is taken over by an alien plague. That's it. Yeah, that's all. That's all I got. Um, (laughs) I don't want to spoil too much fun stuff in the synopsis. Come on now. No, I know. I think it describes it quite well. Like usual, you always pick one that fits, although sometimes you pick one and rewrite it. Yeah, that's kind of what this was. Is I took one and then rewrote it by not rewriting anything, but just deleting a bunch of stuff. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Well, I just took like the first sentence of one I found. And I was like, yeah, nah, I can stop there. I don't want to go too deep. <laughs> All right. That's all I have. So I think we're ready. Perfect. All right. Well, then, as I mentioned earlier, we'll do this top three format. And of course, our highly esteemed guest, Des, must go first. So... What you got is your number three. Well, I don't know if it's really my number three, but I want to get this out there. Um, Brenda Gutierrez, or better known, Brenda the Blob. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Poor Brenda. (laughs) I mean, halfway through the movie, you know know what happens to her. But it's just such a big part of it. And uh, it was at the point where I used to have a widget on my old computer where she was always on it in her barn form. <laughs> and you would just tap on it, and she would say little things like, "Hey, hand me some of that possum from over there," or, or "This these fuckers are killing or tearing me apart." Just things like yeah. that, and then it would explode across your screen. <laughs> That's awesome! Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I want it. I'm just afraid to download it on another computer because you know that computer went went away really quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Poor Brenda. But her transition from just, you know, a little bar fly who just wanted to have a good time, you know, with with her high school, you know, crush and then, you know, had a little good time, you know, for maybe five minutes and then Mm -hmm. got double impregnated, you know, (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, she she <laughs> became she went from little turd girl to really big turd girl. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <That> poor girl, <laughs> poor girl. She wasn't feeling well. Yeah, she was a little bloated, but you know, it happens. A little bloated. She was a lot bloated. <laughs> she said, "Something's wrong with me." Yes, something is wrong with you. It's quite obvious you are not yourself, Miss Brenda. <laughs> but if you looked over at Grant, you could tell he wasn't himself either. I mean, right. mm-hmm. had kind of a rash. Oh yeah, <laughs> one that spread. <laughs> it was too late though for her because by the time she realized what he was doing, she thinks she's gonna, you know, get it on with him. And the next thing she knows, he's stabbing her with these two appendages. And I don't think that was the good time that she had in mind. No, you don't think? No. (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes on a night out, I plan for maybe something like that to happen. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) You never know. Um. All right. (laughs) But he he, like found her a nice place and kept bringing her romantic presence all through the movie. I mean, every girl's dream is to be brought a possum in a barn. It's the most romantic thing. Of course. (laughs) I mean, more meat. That was what he was obsessed with. As soon as he was taken over or the alien entered him. And he gets back home, the first thing he does is go looking for meat. 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 Not just one package. <laughs> like, he takes it all out. Man. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how much that trunk full of meat would have cost. Oh, I mean, I know man. he was supposed to be rich. Those were like ribeyes, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man. <laughs> but he- That's a lot of meat. He was doing something special for his wife, he said. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, very special. He wanted to give her the meat. Uh-huh. Well, he kind of did. At one point, before he transitioned too much into his own version of the blob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got anything else on that, Des? Um, just a little thing. Just a note that I put for later, but I'll throw it in here. It was funny because you were saying how she found out too late what was going to happen to her. The same thing went with the actress. And I think I sent you the video, Daphne, where Brenda James, who played Brenda, she didn't know what she was getting to either because she signed on for the movie having only read the little barfly scene. She had no idea that that was what was going to happen with her character. And then she got to the studio and they were doing prosthetics and she still didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and then they told, then she read on the rest of the script and she's like, oh, okay. I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> I get to wear what and do what now? Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is your role. Welcome to it. <laughs> Man. Yeah, that poor actress. <laughs> you know, you read things in articles about how directors will keep things a secret from some of their stars because they want an authentic reaction. I really feel for her because even though it wasn't like, surprise, here they are. She still had to come to terms with the fact that she wasn't going to be in this movie and just be a little barfly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had a much bigger, larger, rounder role. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I have for Brenda. All right. Daphne, what do you have as your number three pick? Okay. So my number three, I want to talk about Starla. I want to talk about Elizabeth Banks. I thought she was a lot of fun in this role. I liked how her 
her as the teacher at the beginning is talking about survival of the fittest in Darwin. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about those organisms most well suited to their environment is what the fittest means, not the strongest or the smartest. And she goes into this discussion about, well, we've been around for 2 million years and the cockroach has been around for 350 million years. Which one is more successful? And I thought that kind of set things up pretty well for exactly what we were going to get to see in this movie, which was humans fight for survival against this ancient alien species that has come through and just decimated every planet it's ever come into contact with. And while she's teaching there, uh, there's a, a certain student in her class who's <laughs> just uh, sketching her in a very specific way. Did you recognize the uh, the young actor who played that drawing boy? Oh, yes. You mean young Dustin Milligan? Yes. That is, uh, yeah, our very uh, beloved Ted. Ted. Shit's Creek. Yes. I was so happy to see him. And of course, he also plays the character of Josh in a newer show called Rutherford Falls, which I highly recommend. I haven't heard of that. It's with Ed I Helms. haven't heard of that either. It's on Peacock. It is very good. <laughs> he plays a podcast <laughs> an investigator in a way. He's got a podcast where he goes in and tries to interesting stories and stuff <laughs> it, it's yeah he's, he's very it's very ted um it's still kind of that kind of character uh but i like him a lot and what's the name of his podcast oh i have no idea i don't remember or he's like a news journalist that is it's it, I, it's been a while since i watched that first season even though it is newer I binged through it, and then that was that. Um. <laughs> I am really surprised you don't that have that hidden away in your head somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> you seem to be able to retain all of that knowledge. But he'll wake up tonight. Oh, yeah, but that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's what usually happens. Mm -hmm. Well, we learned that well through a conversation that Bill is having with one of the deputies. It might have been Wally. He was uh, talking about Starla. And her rough upbringing where her mom left and then her father was a drunk. And so at 17, Grant Grant, yes, that's his name. <laughs> Grant Grant drove up in, in a Cadillac with lots of money. And it, it was a great opportunity for her to get out of the situation that she was in. And I question whether or not she really loved him. Although the next morning... After she had kind of pushed him away, she played their love song, which who doesn't love a little air supply? Um, so she plays the music and they get down to business. And that was really the last time that we got to see Grant, Grant looking like Grant. After that, he kind of started to look like something from another planet. So I think throughout the whole movie, Starla. Even though Grant was changing, she was still trying to protect him because she, I think she did love him and appreciated everything he had done for her. But she also was noticing, you know, he's changing a lot. She wanted to try to save him. But then when he actually attacks someone and splits them in half, I think she realizes that's it. She's not going to be able to redeem him from that because the officers kind of go after him. But even right up until the very end of the movie, she knows what she has to do. And I, she's not doing it out of fear. She's doing it because she loves him. I think she realizes he wouldn't want to live this way, really. 
At least that's my interpretation of it. And so she tries to take him out, and then there's more to the story, but I'm not going to share that part yet. <laughs> uh, holding back. <laughs> yeah. I may have another point coming up. Right. I, I kind of had the Grant um, Starlet situation in my notes like for afterwards so mm-hmm. all right <laughs> well you can bring them you can bring them all in now if you want well i don't want to spoil anything you had planned <laughs> no go ahead it's totally well, fine i was going to point out you know that grant genuinely did love her you know he wasn't a perfect guy and she had a general effect a real affection for him maybe out of more responsibility and that she had chose that life and she was going to stick with it. But the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, even though when he was upset and went out to the bar and met up with a girl, he couldn't follow through. Yeah. He said, he's like, I love my wife. You know, she's worried about me. Although she slept pretty good. You know, uh, it, you know what? It looked like she was sleeping pretty great. So I don't think right. she was worried. And I kept thinking that his love for her is what kept her alive through the movie. Oh yeah. But then I read an article that James Gunn's, pointed out that, no, Grant died the second that thing went into him. That wasn't Grant from that point on. just this alien creature also was really in love with Now, there was, like, a memory, you know, obviously. But he says, no, Grant was dead. (laughs) So (laughs) so it kind of, like, killed my theory that, you know, Grant was protecting her and all this, you know? Mm -hmm. But I I could see, even if Grant is gone, like you said, maybe this kind of glimmer of memory, because it still had, it knew... His the way he talked and the people he knew right. and their names and how to drive his car, you know. So all these like so there's obviously parts of him that are still in there, whether it's him or not. I think his love that he did feel for Starla carried through to when this creature is looking at her, going, "I may not actually know who this is, but based off of this body and what I'm inhabiting, this is what feelings are there when I look at her." Mm-hmm. And then built on that. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, I think. Because, Des, that blows my theory, too, because I thought that Needle, a.k.a. the the alien, had kind of bonded with Starla over him still being a part of the brain and not just the alien has taken over. I didn't think about him being dead the minute the alien entered him. So that, that makes me a little disappointed. Because I liked it when it was a better love story of <laughs> him keeping her safe. So romantic. Yeah. Perfect for Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it? Right. It's still romantic on her part that through all of that, she still definitely had strong enough feelings for him to to try her best to save him or at least protect him until she reached that point where she knew what had to be done. But it's still, I think... Like you mentioned, Daphne was out of love for him mm-hmm. where, like you said, well, he, he's not going to want to live like this. I don't, he doesn't want to or need to live like this. So I, it's better for, for everyone and everything to, to take him out. I think I would have realized slightly earlier than her though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she thought she was having a good time. I mean, they had that wonderful morning as she shared with the other people in the teacher's lounge or her friend, anyway, that she had a wonderful morning. Everything was great. It was sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, I love how her one coworker calls her a slut, but then says, well, you're married. It's okay. Right. <laughs> so, Peg, I think it's your turn. All right. Well, I'm just going to tack on to that. My number three also was Starla. 
and just to see what notes I have about that. Of course, I just love some Elizabeth Banks in anything she's in. She's incredible. I'm uh, doing a rewatch of Scrubs, and I just now got to the part where she shows up in Scrubs and her her arc there, and I'm so happy. I was like, oh, yay, it's the Elizabeth Banks part. <laughs> uh, she's wonderful. But yeah, and just talk about some of the other like little cameos around her at the beginning. I talk about Dustin Milligan, but also a fun little cameo after that when she's outside when we first see Michael Rooker's Grant pick her up. Uh, the teacher Hank that she's talking to is director cameo himself, James Gunn, which was cool. Yes. I don't think he doesn't throw himself in his movies that often. So no. it was for him to actually be there on screen. I was like, oh, that's that's unique. And that's cool. It could have been a bucket list item for him because this was mm-hmm. really his first film that he was able to like take the helm of. So he may have said, OK, I'm going to check this off. I'm going to yeah. be a cameo in there. Well, something else I read that it was kind of like a last minute decision to put him in there as were a lot of the casting choices, because in Canada, all the leads have to be Canadian. (laughs) Canada has some interesting rules around filming anything, because a friend of mine is an on-ice videographer, and in order to be able to be involved with the show, there's a percentage of people involved with the production that have to be Canadian. That's interesting. Yeah, I did appreciate Grant's comment <laughs> after Starla was talking with this teacher and who wants to borrow her lesson plan. And yeah. he just says, oh, I know what he wants to borrow and I ain't lending. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I'm like, Michael, oh, man. Michael Rooker is always impeccably wild and fun. Uh, <laughs> Every time. Great to see him. But yeah, uh, but going on Starla, just kind of her story course it all seems yeah that she's she's married to this very rich wealthy guy grant grant um (laughs) who yeah it seems kind of like the the douchey rich guy who probably doesn't really care for her that much that's kind of the what you get that vibe off the top but then that scene we talked about where yeah he goes out with brenda out into the woods but then he's like no i my my wife is weird. Like you really see, oh, maybe he is a decent guy. And then it makes it kind of a little sadder when you're like, and now he's dead. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eh, such as it is. Um, and then she's slowly <laughs> seeing things are changing. Um, you know, it's a changes very slowly. Yeah. A weird kind of extraterrestrial puberty if you will. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not all just bug bites and bee stings. And she's just kind of pushing it aside until finally it looks real bad. So she calls up Dr. Zombie. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Carl. Voiced Dr. By, Carl. Voiced by Rob Zombie, which is cool. Um, and when realizes that uh, Grant has lied to her about talking to the doctor, that's when she's a little more worried. And... Then she checks out after after Bill and the, the police, you know, show up and tell her they they saw Grant or somebody saw Grant going into Brenda's place. Now she's a little worried. Looks in the basement and finds the uh, the meat locker, so to speak, this basement of horror. And then I love that scene where she's like freaking out and trying to call Bill, and she's pacing in front of the window. And it's such a clever <laughs> shot where you know she paces once, goes back, and then when she paces back by the window, he's standing right outside of it like that. Really cool. I, I like little things like that. The great horror shots, those nods. Um, 
And then, of course, I like, you know, the police busting. And after he's choking her out. And then, yeah, I was like, yeah, Bill nailed it on the head. What the fuck is that? Yeah, that sums <laughs> it up really well. Uh, <laughs> but they, they put together this plan. They're going to go after him. And I like that she is like, no, we I have to go. Because <laughs> you're you're loading up with all kinds of weaponry. Like, you're about to bust into an entire, like military formation. It's like, um, he might look real weird, but that's still my husband. And I'm the only one that if there is something really wrong with him, you're going to need me there to talk him down and try to make sure that this is the safest it can be. But also if you're worried about this Brenda girl who's missing, well, if you just go in there and kill him, you're never going to get an answer as to where she is. So let me have a shot at this. But then through all the process, she realized there's kind of, yeah, maybe a little bit of, you know, lost cause to that when he's slicing people who are heroically trying to do the right thing in half and yeah. <laughs> impregnating police officers uh, <laughs> with all kinds of crazy, ba- uh, you know, ba- turning Brenda into a literal baby boomer. Oh, pain. <laughs> um. <laughs> And then realizing this whole <laughs> crazy hive mind thing that goes on with these alien possessed people where we have all of these different people saying their grant and calling her sugar plum. And <laughs> that's quite a lot to go through uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, and she starts taking it because I love, you know, when Wally's just like, but I am grant. You wouldn't kill me. Blam. Yeah, no, that's that's not going to stop me at all. She has to take out a few other of them. I was like, yeah, I know, you know, marriage is supposed to be till death do us part, but how many of them does she have to kill till they take a hint? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But they do finally uh, snag her, snatch her up. So while Jack's joining a bunch of very hungry people in the basement to become the next bunch of boomers, uh, Starla's upstairs as this beautiful bride to the alien legion, preparing a weapon for herself, just, you know, for this less than romantic rendezvous. With her horrific blob creature that was pre- previously her her hubby, she she I I have to applaud her for trying. She does a really oh, yeah. good job at like playing to his senses of loneliness and mm-hmm. like you really see in the creature's eyes, her husband's eyes, you know that he was he was falling for it. I was like, oh, well, he, she actually does love me, and she'll be by my side as my wonderful blob queen for eternity. And no stab. No, <laughs> uh, doesn't, doesn't quite work. Um, and then she just gets whacked around for a while, but luckily bill who has been crushing on her forever comes through with his propane plan. Um, <laughs> Kylie, not as much help. She just gets sofa'd, but she survived that. So that's good. <laughs> Well, Kylie actually brought a lot to the table because she partially bonded with one of the slugs. So she was able to get some of the information that they needed in order to be able to fight. Oh, definitely. I mean, she had the psycho family from hell after her, outside her (laughs) car. They were all, you know, they're just... not the family fun day she wanted. No, (sighs) definitely not. There's no excuse not to be with your family. This is family fun day. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No. Just the look of her one little sister's face in the win- window. Just <laughs> this huge grin while she's talking to her. <laughs> that, that that kid was awesome. She yeah. she she understood the assignment. Yes. Yeah. She was very, very creepy. I yeah. loved right after that when 
Kylie gets out and runs over to be with Bill. Bill's talking to them, trying to find out, hey, what's going on? You don't look so good. Poison Ivy, out back, maybe. And the girls <laughs> in unison, channeling the Shining, say, we're itchy. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, so campy. Yes. But yeah, that's, that's, I think, all the notes I had on Starla's arc, her story. Two things about Starla in that last, in the house scene. Mm-hmm. That kind of go to the willing suspension of disbelief in a movie about, you know, alien slugs taking over the world. Um, okay, so when she's passed out and they t- all take her upstairs and get her all ready, all the doors get locked behind them. So they're all yelling to let them in and all that. <laughs> I'm like, no, weren't, you guys, weren't you guys all up you there? You put her there. Yeah. <laughs> and then her immaculate negligee. Does not get a drop of anything on it mm. while he's, you know, he's got his tentacles all around her and all, nothing. It's pure yeah. white until mm-hmm. the meat explosion yeah. that happens <laughs> later on. Then she's covered, but up until then, not a blemish on that thing. Mm-hmm. All the blood that was on them rubbed off while they were hanging all of the beautiful picture collages all over the walls. That must have been what it was. <laughs> Was it the blood that was holding him into place? <laughs> Probably. Because that would have been a lot of glue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I had there. So, Des, what about a number two? Okay, so some of this has already been stepped on. It was about foreshadowing in the movie. So, of course, there was, you know, Starla teaching the class about Darwin and, the, and all of that. But also, um, when Brenda's talking about her sister... She says, my sister Megan was a big old cow. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> not very nice, but, you know, she'll, she'll mm-hmm. understand later. <laughs> and one other thing, which I don't know if this was really supposed to be foreshadowing, but it clicked in my mind. The karaoke night, when the girl is singing The Crying Game, which was a movie about, there's a cross-dresser in it. I don't want to be incorrect, but you know, but the whole point was someone falls in love with someone not knowing their real gender. Uh-huh. So I kind of like applied that to where you're not really seeing what you're seeing. You know, Grant is Grant's possessor is pretending to be Grant. So I just kind of thought that was maybe a little bit of foreshadowing there. Interesting. Yeah, that uh, karaoke scene. I was <laughs> a little no. I was just like, this lady is very focused on her karaoke performance. She sure is reading those lyrics to a tune <laughs> <laughs> you have anything else i think that was all i really noticed well i want to bring up a little bit about the crazy mayor <laughs> because he <laughs> what a ball of sunshine right no he's a douche okay let's <laughs> let's let's be honest he's a douche mm-hmm. right from the start when the whole thing goes down he goes in to see Bill, and he's talking about being at the town council meeting and someone lighting a Roman candle in his ass. And Bill responds with, Jack, your you'll leisure activities ain't my business, which I thought was funny. And then the mayor says, no one wants to go hunting in a town with a pet murdering kidnapper in it. <laughs> I think James Gunn, even from the very beginning, has been, his dialogue is always... It's hilarious most of the time. I mean, he always connects things that probably shouldn't be connected. I mean, what we didn't get to see in this, 
is the breakdown of the community going against, or the mayor going against Bill, like we do in some of these other movies that we've covered, where, you know, Bill, in theory, would go in and say, we've got to do something about this. And they would just say, oh, no, this deer cheer is coming or something like that. Mm-hmm. We can't cancel deer cheer. Man, deer, deer cheer, this big <laughs> deer hunting season starting party and dance. <laughs> How perfectly Southern. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I live in East Texas. I am used to things like this. <laughs> really? Uh, We've talked about this before. <laughs> So I feel like we didn't get to see stuff like that, because that is the norm in some of the movies we've covered. Instead, the flip side, we are getting the mayor coming in, you've got to do something about this. We have to do something about this. And freaking out because Shelby, cameo we have not talked about yet, (laughs) Mm -hmm. might might spread the word because she must be the town gossip. At the time, Jenna Fisher was married to James Gunn. I did and not know that. Yes, she was. And so she has the role of Shelby. And of course, Jenna Fisher, at the time, had been starring for a couple of years in a little show called The Office. Ever heard of it? Never. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to point out the mayor. He had some of these one-liners throughout that were kind of funny, like... Um, one thing you said that stands out in my head was like, she forgot my Mr. Pibb. She knows that's the only kind of Coke I like, which. Yeah. Cause I told your secretary to pack Mr. Pibb is the only Coke I like that. I, I put that down because like, again, very Southern, uh, <laughs> to say everything's a Coke, <laughs> every kind of soda is a Coke. And then you can specify after that if need be. Um, I don't do that personally, but I know plenty of people who do. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised on that as, hey, get me a Coke. All right, what kind do you want? Ah, Sprite sounds good. That's. (laughs) (laughs) You can't get farther from Coke. I know. (laughs) This is the real Coke right here. I'm drinking it. Or or going into the real country parts of of Texas with, you know, where my uncle and stuff lived, and it's all sody water over there. (laughs) (sighs) Oh. Well, not long after he's complaining about the lack of Mr. Pibb. Which, for anyone that's in the North, that's the Dr. Pepper. Kinda. You can find Mr. Pibb occasionally <laughs> around here. In, fa- in I w- fact, I will tell you, my dad used to work for Coca-Cola, and the same plant bottled Dr. Pepper and Mr. Pibb. <laughs> and it was the same thing. Like, literally the same thing. It just it depended on where it was going to go. Um, that, now, that sounds a lot like Girl Scout cookies. And that's another tangent we could go on. <laughs> I do love some Mr. Pibb, though. It is good. <laughs> it's marketed as a spicy cherry soda, which is interesting. Hmm. Never thought of it that way. <laughs> so before that, Bill's trying to escape in the car, and he notices that Starla and the mayor are running across the street. Oh, yeah. Someone is jumping on the mayor, trying to infect him. Bill decides to run him over, which he does so well, and then Starla takes him out with a shovel. and. He says, bitch is hardcore, was his line there. (laughs) And then a little bit later, he has to beg. Unfortunately, when he goes to have a little dinner 
after being captured by the zombies, even though I'm not sure we can call them zombies, but they were zombies. I mean, it was a hive mind situation. He reluctantly starts eating another person that's in the basement. And then a little bit later, we see what only could be described as like a second head sprouting off him at the time. And he just basically begs Bill to kill him. Yeah, because Bill, he's been uh, infected. Bill doesn't hesitate at all to follow that, that request. <laughs> no. Let's just say it wasn't the hardest choice Bill has ever had to make. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. And this mayor, I mean, if we had to track the douchiest mayors in all the movies we've ever covered, he's not the douchiest. Oh, no. It's not. This isn't Jaws. <laughs> no, this isn't Jaws. Um. But that was very good. He was very quick, yes, to dispatch him. And th- and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the mayor and how he's different than some of the ones we've seen in other movies we've covered on the podcast. Yeah. Well, my number two is Bill himself, Mr. Bill Party, played by Nathan Fillion. And yeah, so great to see him, of course. Uh we kind of pick up pretty early in the movie. He has quite a thing for Starla and probably has since they were kids. Uh, I mean, we get the story. He was 14. She was 12. And she showed up and more, seemed to more have a thing for him. And he maybe wasn't as into it at that point. But then I think throughout his like teenage years and adulthood and growing up, he's always thought of that and be like, mm, but what would have happened? What, what could have been? And I think he's always kind of stayed hung up on her. Mm-hmm. And... So now, you know, he takes this horrific alien invasion tragedy to finally get the girl of his dreams, right? Uh, after <laughs> all kinds of, of of craziness. But yeah, we talked about uh, Jenna Fisher showing up in his office. I like, you know, just his repartee with a lot of the different people there in the station, in the police station. You know, asking, you know, because they're just like, oh, don't talk about squids, because then... Shelby's going to go off and it causes, you know, chaos. He's like, you're not going to do that, are you? No. Okay. But that little scene is funny. Uh, Some of those quotes, you know, ain't many places he can hide. Looks like a damn squid. Sea World, maybe? And then they have squids on the actual board. I died laughing. I was like, the fucking squid stickers on the map indicating where Grant has attacked. I was like, this this is hilarious. Uh, Yeah. This was probably my favorite parts of dialogue in this movie. You know, Daphne, you're talking about how James Gunn writes dialogue so clever. Is You know, the octopus toy that was in the station. He goes, you know, oh, I thought we could use that like a police sketch, Chief. <laughs> Which <laughs> is great. And then they go on. The, Jack, the mayor, has this whole thing. He's like, it's just Lyme disease. And so it's, don't forget your guns. We don't want any Lyme disease popping out at us. Uh <laughs> They go out to this other farm and they find all the cows and the dogs and everything slaughtered. And he's just like, you know, I, I bet Grant isn't the kind of guy that has any puppy calendars on his desk. He's like, what do you mean by that? He goes, he just don't strike me as a real dog lover is all. <laughs> Great. And then That's the next true. you know, line I love, he goes, I think I know where Dr. Doolittle's going to strike next. There's some of the <laughs> most clever writing and dialogue and i love that and then yeah when they follow that up with the squid stickers on the map i lost it <laughs> i <laughs> think yeah it's it's great uh see so they make this plan they know where grant in quotations grant is going to strike next and they go out to otis's farm to the uh is it studmeyer 
Yes. Stetmeyer, something like that uh, place. They're going to hang out there, wait for him, which, yeah, he they are correct. That's where he goes. And then they, they run into him. I've got a lot of extra notes in my next point. I have to talk a little bit more about the alien and all of that. But as, as far <laughs> as Bill, yeah, um, just he's, he's got to run off. I love uh, Chef, uh, Chekhov's grenade throughout this whole thing. They're taking all the guns and he's like, should we take the grenade? It's like, ah, no, we don't need that. And I was like, they're going to need that. Like yes. my, my, my voice, my narrator was like, and they will need that. Get to grenade later. <laughs> uh, so he has to go back to, to the place for it. Um, and fights a monster deer. So that was cool. Kylie saves him, but we're going to, we're going to pretend that he saved her. Uh, she makes that good point. You know, once they see us, or once one sees us, they all see us. Which, it's a hive I like that mind. line. Yeah. It's and a hive mind. Sh- Shelby's not hanging around in the station anymore now that she's turned, which again with her, there's something about Jenna Fisher saying, there's a skater in here driving me bonkers <laughs> that makes my whole day. Um, <laughs> I actually had that in my notes as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. I, I, I want that as a ringtone. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh, we're speaking of Kylie, so I'm jumping around a little bit, but you know, since she was there to save him is because he was there to save her from her hellacious family wanting their family fun day. Able to run in and grab her. You got to watch out for that acid spit. Um, yes, gets her out of there. They are on the phone. That's when, yeah, the whole scene talking to Shelby and Mr. Pibb conversation and all of that. They get there, grabs Chekhov's grenade, which is good. Uh, but then when it comes time to use said grenade, <laughs> that's another thing that I love very much is I'm waiting for this grenade to come into play the entire movie. And then it just gets the skull Island treatment. Whack. Nope. Not today. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize you could whack that grenade around so much before right? it actually goes off. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, he's got a good backup plan, I guess. Uh, I thought he was a goner, but we finally are able to blow uh, the, the creature up. Star was able to blow him up by shooting him after Bill loads him up on propane. And Good thing Hank Hill was there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> if, Hank, <laughs> yeah if Hank Hill was there, this would have been over in 10 minutes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and luckily, Kylie, something that Kylie said about the hive mind was correct. And once they killed the main creature, the main alien, then the rest of them died. So that's that's lucky. Well... Mostly, to to be determined. Yes. Post credits. Dot dot dot. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I definitely thought he was a goner. But then they make up some kind of like, oh, you have to have both things in you for it to actually uh, infect you and kill you. And well, it's like, Kylie saw that when she was bonded too. Yeah. I mean, she did. Back when she was bonded to that one that was in her mouth and wanted to stay, but she got rid of it, and then. Mm-hmm. Using those fancy nails that her parents didn't understand. But she finally took it out, though, with a curling iron. Yeah. But I guess, you know, you have to end it. Even though it's not very explicit. Yeah. Bill and Starla are winding up together at the end of this movie. Obviously. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So they walk off into the, not sunset, sunrise. Which I have a problem yeah. with. Why are they walking down the road? There, there was are a truck right a there. Multitude of cars. <laughs> they <can take. laughs> no one's. I had that same her. thought. I was like, "Oh, they're walking to the truck," and they're still walking, and still walking. Oh, a okay. few miles to the next hospital. Okay, well, 
They're not <laughs> 10 years into an apocalypse where things wouldn't work anymore either. Right. <laughs> like they could have got in it and driven. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make any sense. No, but okay. <laughs> Little things. Yep, that is what I had on Bill. All right. You know what that Des. means. Okay. Number well, one. That was going to be Bill. <laughs> one other subject, which you can disagree with me if you want. I think for 2005, the effects kind of hold up. I mean, they're not amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, but for the, the time being, it's, I, I'm assuming it was mostly practical. I think they did a really good job. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, there was, was definitely, uh, with the worms, there's a lot of CGI use. Uh, yeah. They those for sure. But I think, yeah, a lot of the other stuff was was at least semi-practical with, with some of that. At least the really big pieces. When Grant was slithering across the field, that was practical. In fact, there were three people credited on IMDb as Diseased Grant Part 1, Diseased Grant Part 2, and Diseased Grant Part 3. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and and Brenda. That was pretty oh, much practical, Brenda. I'm yeah. thinking. <laughs> oh, man. Mm -hmm. Exploding Brenda. Build some kind of giant balloon thing, have her stick her face out of it. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was... Poor Brenda. R.I.P. Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much all I've got for that. I mean, just the effects in general, you know, for the time being. Yeah. Some interesting stuff. You can see what James Gunn can do with a bigger budget. Yeah, yes. for sure. <laughs> yeah. He's got a very creative mind for different gags, as you would call them, kind of in the industry. You know, the different effects and... and, and practical sets and creature stuff. He's got a really good mind for it. All right. Well, then that comes to me with my number one. I want to talk about Bill and Wally, dynamic duo. <laughs> so much fun. Wally sees right from the beginning that Bill's got a thing for Starla. And he's like, surprise, you can lift a mug. You've been carrying that torch for so long. <laughs> Whenever they're out and about, he always has something really funny to say because even when they're in the barn with poor Brenda, Bill's like, we, we're going to get you to a hospital. And Wally's like, what the fuck are they going to do with her in a hospital bill? <laughs> and it's true. Right. It's like, how do you even get her there? That doesn't make any sense. So I was really disappointed when poor Wally, Wally got infested with a worm and, then he has that wonderful conversation with Starla as Grant, mm -hmm. which was ridiculous. But I really liked them as a team, and it was really I was really disappointed when he met his end. Because honestly, I think the last time I saw this movie was probably 10 years ago or more. And so I forgot some of the different things that were in it, but I really... Like how, I mean, they just had a really fun dynamic together. They do rock, paper, scissors to enter the barn. I mean, that reminds me of another duo that we love so much <laughs> from Tremors. He's a dirty rock, paper, scissors cheater, though. <laughs> so, yeah. So I really like that duo. I know that a lot of focus was about Starla and she should be with Bill and the love story, maybe. They never had any... They didn't kiss. They didn't. 
I mean, it was really the love story in this was mostly Starla with Grant. So if they do end up together, which they do in your universe, Pake, <laughs> they really didn't have any romantic scenes in this. No. One, I don't think. Well, she does kiss him before their long walk to the hospital. Well, that's true. <laughs> their <laughs> trek, <laughs> their long journey. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah so that i like the comedy between the two james gunn again he really knows how to build these worlds and put characters in that can really play off each other really well yeah yeah sometimes when you have a an office space or a workspace in a show you don't really feel like they all know each other and know things about each other when you go into there and they're all going back and forth you can tell that their characters have known each other probably yeah. their whole most of their lives. Yes. Although it was weird. Oh, what was it? At some point, somebody has to tell someone, tell Bill who somebody was. I forget what it was now, but I'm thinking, this is a kind of a small town, you know? Yeah. You should know, who you know much- everyone, <laughs> yeah. You should know everyone at that point. Yeah. Which, it was also kind of weird to me, in this small town, how um, varied the racial profile is. I mean, like, when they're at the actual deer cheer... Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different races in that in that hillbilly bar. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. There were a lot of different types of people that made up. What was it? Wheelsy? Wheelsy. Wheels? Wheelsy. They never state like what? South state. Carolina. Is it South Carolina? I missed it. So yeah. No, you didn't miss it. I read it on Wikipedia. Okay. okay yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think they mentioned it in the movie. But, no. Uh, yeah, it's very Southern. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I picked up on that. <laughs> Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? <laughs> All right, Peg, it's your turn. All right. What do you got for us? And like I mentioned, I just want to talk about the creature, the alien, the thing, the them, the legion of needle. Uh, <laughs> whatever <laughs> names you want to give it. Uh, whatever it is, it came from space. Exactly how fast it came in, we may never know. Because uh, it came in behind Wally. He wasn't there to track it. No. Nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if he could have guessed that right. one no. accurately. No, probably not. Yeah, um, let's see, because we've gone over a lot of these notes, but I mentioned, you know, with Grant finding the thing, uh, this creepy little blob thing. Uh, shoots that barbed worm thing into him and takes over his brain. And then this alien parasite that takes over his brain seems to slide right into his life pretty easily. Just some changes at first, like an extra affinity for meat and piles of leaves as beds, you know, but that's fine. But oh, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I thought he was making a nest. <laughs> Experiencing all kinds of new things about the human anatomy, uh, his own and his wife's, so special. Um <laughs> <laughs> Then he starts sprouting some new appendages, and I think, you know, at first he he's going after Starla with that, but there is that little tinge uh, of love and that connection that we were talking about to where he's like, I can't, I can't do that. And then there's still that, like, little memory that, that fires off in his brain. Like, oh, but what about that, uh, that crazy chick from the bar? Um, <laughs> so he goes and hunts <laughs> her down instead. And the timing, I thought another one of those really clever choices uh, of the timing of this attack on Brenda with the mayor's countdown and saying, let the hunt begin as that happens. I thought that was really cool. Oh my God. Yes. Very, very 
clever use of, of dialogue and timing and shots. And then after that, he starts looking real rough, uh, (laughs) (laughs) real rough. Um, and just, it just gets worse from bumps on his head to being this whole squid, like slimy blob monster. We just see him evolve (laughs) throughout the movie, cutting people in half, destroying animals left and right. And then finally he leads the people to this cabin where Brenda is hanging out, just, just sitting there and a million (laughs) little alien worm monsters explode out of her and swarm the group. Some are able to take over some of the other people by crawling into their mouths, all butterfly style from Peacemaker. And that's when I realized like, oh, he's just rehashing this exact storyline in his show he's doing now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't mind it though, because Peacemaker is awesome. But that was like, Oh, that's where he got this idea. Him. Uh, (laughs) He's done this before. Uh, (laughs) But there's a big difference between slimy little slugs and worms Mm -hmm. and butterflies. Yeah, usually a a, a cocoon is the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Chrysalis. Uh, (laughs) But these these worm things then descend on the Strutmeyer home. Kylie's attacked in the bath, but like I said, her fancy nails save her. And then she sees these visions from the creatures. It's trying to take her over. So we realize there's a shared hive mind between them. And unfortunately, the creatures do get Mrs. Strutmeyer, Otis, the dad, and the two younger daughters. So no more goosebumps for you, kiddo. Sorry. Uh, You know what, though? When the mother was saying, good night, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite. Mm Mm-hmm. I said right to the TV, there's something much worse than bed bugs. Right. Close that damn window. I know. <laughs> uh, this movie makes you not want to sleep with a window open ever again. Right. Or close your eyes in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which that bathtub scene reminded me of another movie from 1984. Mm-hmm. I think it was 84, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. So yeah, great. Kylie's got to make a jump for it off the roof, tuck and roll. Uh, and then the worms just got to start taking over all kinds of people over town. Not only people, but we see as Bill has to fight it off in the police station, the worms are also getting into the local deer hunting spirit as well. So that's nice. They just want to fit in. <laughs> that's really what this is about. Uh, and then, yeah, just a matter of fact, till those infected are rising while he's at first. And then he's apologizing for hurting Starla as Grant. That's where Starla realizes this hive mind thing. It's all one creature, but it has these feelings for Starla and feels love for her, but this, its own nature. There's a lot of discussion about, but it's my nature and it was my nature. And, but yo, your nature, this is what you, you've become. There's a lot of conversation about that. And, but you could see that as Wally thinking it's Grant is talking to Starla that it, it does kind of feel this remorse a little bit, for the things it mm-hmm. has to do. But at the end of the day, it's like, but, you know, it's just what I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's my nature. So, yeah. So this thing I kind of could describe as a planet killer, uh, at least planet populations. We we find out through what Kylie saw that it just kind of goes around world to world, planet to planet, assimilating different worlds into its consciousness. And then what it doesn't assimilate or impregnate, it just uses as food. And then once it kind of uses up whatever's on one world it's like all right back to square one let's blast off i guess somehow to another world and start all over again and so then we talked a lot about the the scene where they take the thing out and i <laughs> i happen i just 
by impulse now, I always finish credits to a movie. When credits mm-hmm. start rolling, I never turn anything off anymore because I live in a day and age effect. where you never know. Yes. And I'm glad I did that with this movie because I'm sitting there like, you know, those credits rolling and I'm like compiling my notes for our recording right now. And I'm, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. Everything's good. And I start like kind of doing other stuff on my phone, scrolling Facebook. And then it was like, boom, screen. I was like, oh, ooh, there's more. <laughs> like, hey. And yep, they give us just a little post credit sting of, you know, maybe it's not over. Maybe we get a kitty cat you know, revolution. Uh, <laughs> or maybe that was just the cat killing the last worm. That could also have been it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that is what I had there. Wow. So, yeah. So with our top threes done, Des, do you have any and <laughs> extra notes? Give us anything. And um, everything you got. Let's see. Um, did anybody notice the name of the funeral home? No. Okay, it is the R.J. McCready Funeral Home, which I don't know if you remember a little Kurt Russell movie called The Thing. Mm-hmm. <gasps> that was his character's name. Nice. Oh, wow. Um, and just while you while you were talking, Pick, I started thinking, like, how did that actually get here? Because, okay, it takes over the whole planet. How does it get to the next planet? It just shoots itself in the right space. exactly that takes a lot of energy or is there a spaceship up there somewhere shooting these things down yeah <laughs> i don't know they don't explain that <laughs> just don't ask questions <laughs> <laughs> just take the movie yes accept it i think that was all that i had yeah all right i'm looking i think i've covered everything that I had a one funny quote by one of the guys, one of the deputies that was out uh, in the field looking for Grant. He basically at one point when he sees him for the first time says, he looks like something that fell off my dick during the war. <laughs> I forgot about that. That yeah. killed me. <laughs> that killed me. Yeah. Uh, the only other note that I had that I didn't cover or talk about is Looking at the, uh, well, well, at the beginning, Starla standing outside of the school. Uh, the school marquee, we see, I guess, the name of the school mascot is the Cooters? Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I have to look up South Carolina slang, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's Something only... completely different? <laughs> yeah, it's like, there's only one thing I can think that that means, um, typically, so... <laughs> I wouldn't pick it as a school mascot. Um, no. I mean, there's another name for not. it we get, you know, because the little boy wants to know what that is and, and build on one of, you know. Oh, you mean where the Chinese people come from? The Chinese people come from, yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe it's it's related to that in some way. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's really all I had, too. You know what that means? It means it's time for me to give you some of my production notes and some of these we've talked about a little bit. But others, not so much. So I am happy to bring them to the table. The original title of this film was Wiggle. But the producers request to be changed to the more threatening Slither. I agree. Wiggle mm-hmm. sounds ridiculous. <laughs> um, Jenna Fisher was not part of the original cast. But when the actor that was originally in the part decided they did not want to do it, they wanted to back out to go shoot a pilot, Gun switched character's gender and gave her more lines and since fisher was so popular due to the office she was the one who went on the tonight show to promote it 
Michael Rooker accidentally broke his glasses off camera while doing kung fu kicks by himself. I believe that. Why are we not mm-hmm. surprised? He also dislocated his shoulder while filming the scene where he grows a floppy arm after attacking Starla. Yeah, that's why, you know, we don't see a lot of it in this movie, but when I, in my notes, when I refer to Rooker as the impeccably wild Michael Rooker, is I've, I've had enough experience of being in the same room with him in person. And uh, yeah, the guy's, I, I don't want to say it's in a negative way, because it's a lot of fun. He def- definitely knows how to be a fun person, but uh, he's a very energetic individual. I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> that makes he's sense. He's nuts. He's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love the man. He's nuts. Yes. <laughs> In all the most wonderful ways. So Brenda is watching the lovely movie from 1984 called The Toxic Avenger. When Grant comes to visit her, this scene was filmed in a house full of cat piss and other smells, which made James Gunn gag. But he was grateful that they were allowed to use the house for filming. With Elizabeth Banks in the lead, Gunn was going for this, quote, Hitchcock blonde and felt that Banks had this old-time grace and poise of a leading lady from that time period. The question that Gunn gets asked the most repeatedly is who sings the song at the very end, and it's a song called Baby I Love You by the Yahoos. Gunn and Fillion agree the most horrifying scene is when Grant is having sex with his wife. (laughs) Although multiple studios were interested in producing Slither, Gunn ultimately chose Gold Circle and Universal because they offered him freedom with his direction. Gunn has slated that getting the little girls to walk like zombies was one of the hardest parts of filming. Yeah, they like to wiggle their arms a lot more than other people. I noticed that. (laughs) (laughs) Very floppy zombies. Yeah. (laughs) They need to go to the Greg Nicotero zombie school. Right. (laughs) When Grant slithers across the field as a monster, the scene was created using practical effects with the puppeteers being removed digitally. We talked about that a little bit. Starla teaches at Earl Bassett Community School, which was named after Fred Wood's character in Tremors. Yeah, the, the Earl Bassett Cooters. What a, what, a, what a team. What a team. <laughs> Nathan Fillion was cast about a week before they started shooting. Dang. The bathtub scene with the alien slug swimming towards Kylie is definitely a reference towards Nightmare on Elm Street. Gunn was majorly influenced by David Cronenberg's 1975 horror movie Shivers, which I have never seen, but I definitely want to now. And finally... The voice of Dr. Carl, who Starla talks to on the phone when she's concerned about Grant, is voiced by the one and only Rob Robert Zombason. <laughs> Esquire. Robert Zombowitz. Is that what it is? Um, no. <laughs> the third. No. Uh, <laughs> and that's all I have under production notes. Awesome. Well, Des, thank you so much for coming on, talking Slither with us. It was great to have you. We might have you for feedback later. I, I say that every time. Usually we don't, but uh, <laughs> but you never know. Could happen. But just in case, uh, I know you don't really podcast around too much, but maybe you've been up to some other stuff 
or even if you got anything to plug, even if it's not something you're doing personally, if you just want to give some shout outs to anything else you're really into right now, what do you want to say? Um, I am just like so behind on everything because all I watch anymore is South Korean TV series and movies. <laughs> it's like all there is right now. We're big fans of South Korean TV, movies, whatever they're putting out. It's just fantastic. And food. No. <laughs> I mean, no, here I on the finished podcast. We Are All Dead Here, which yeah. was really good. <laughs> and then I started watching Sweet Home, which is a couple years old. Um, it's very different from, <laughs> from the other one. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but it's a little very different. But, you know, they're just pumping out good stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> they are. You know, talking about, yeah, South Korean stuff. Because we've covered some stuff over here on, on Run For Your Lives. South Korea, a number of things. Uh Bong Joon-ho from The Host is, I mean, he's on my like top five list of directors right now. And I mean, Parasite was incredible. He won Best Picture of the Oscars with that one. <laughs> so yeah, South Korea is doing some really, really great stuff right now. They have definitely been, you know, planted their flag in, in the movie industry and TV um, for sure. Squid Game. Come on. Yeah. Squid Game. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. Usually, if there's something that's taking the world by storm, it's one of their TV series that's different than anything we've ever seen because they can put things together using original thought. It's different ideas or different mm -hmm. spins on ideas, stuff we haven't seen before. And I think I just gravitate toward that. I want to see something different. And I don't want to blanket it or anything, but the South Korean creators, they get you invested in the characters really quick. Yeah. And get emotionally drained by the end of a series. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like sci-fi and, and gore and horror movies. And they're getting bawling in tears. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All of us are dead. I haven't finished it. I'm about halfway through. And you do get invested every time. Like I remember Squid Game. There was one particular episode that I cried and cried and cried. And all of us are dead. Every episode, there's something. Once you get part way in, it's just, yeah, it tugs at your heartstrings. I have not watched it yet, but uh, I'll have to check it out. <laughs> 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 My only Korean thing super recently is I had a went to a great Korean chicken restaurant in Dallas yesterday. That's about <laughs> what I can uh, <laughs> what I can contribute to this. It was absolutely delicious, though. And Daphne, next time you're down in Dallas, uh, we're doing that place. Uh, we <gasps> so <have to. laughs> excited! Already looking forward to it. Already looking forward to it. And Des, if you ever come in Dallas, we'll do it too. Um. <laughs> I would love to go to Texas just once. You know? <laughs> well, well, when things aren't so politically charged, maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's that sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, it was great having you on, and uh, hopefully yeah. we will catch you around soon. Thank you. Oh, oh you know what that is? Man, speaking it's of that sound. Wondering what other people have to say about this movie. Let's check it I out. I hope lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first off, this week on Feedback... As has kind of usually been going on. I don't, I don't mind it. Got a little bit of uh, extra feedback from our movie last week, which of course was Little Monsters. And Daphne, I'll let you take All that. All right. Our good friend Tony sent in. I just finished Little Monsters. When you said you were covering this, I thought you were talking about the Howie Mandel monstrosity. No, Tony. We are not covering that <laughs> here. 
This is not that. I hate slow-moving zombies. I do like Neil Diamond, so this was a win. I'm going to now listen to what y'all thought. Thanks, Tony. She also recommended Amazon Prime's Wolf Like Me TV series that also has uh, Josh Gad in it, and it's helmed by Abe Forsyth, who did Little Monsters, so I've got to check that out. Check that out. Add that to the list of like all the 20 other shows that I'm trying to watch right now. <laughs> I'll get to it. I will get to <laughs> so it. So many I good think. things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but our feedback this week, also from Tony on this week's movie on Slither. She says, ew, this one is gross. I watched it once in the movie theater when it was new and I hated it. I honestly don't remember much. My survival instincts must have kicked in and wiped all details from my memory. But I do know I'm not going to do a refresher watch, but I hope you enjoy. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough Tony, i hope you listened to this episode so you could kind of you know hear what we thought at least because we mm-hmm. did have some fun i think yeah all right well to submit your feedback go to our facebook page at facebook.com slash run for your lives podcast you can email us at run for your lives podcast at gmail.com Tweet at us at our FYL podcast or reach us on Instagram at Run For Your Lives Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, tell your friends. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much all other podcast players, including YouTube. Go to runforyourlivespodcast.com for all the links you'll ever need and give us a review on Apple Podcasts as that's the best way to share the love and get us out there even more. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, we do. And speaking of sharing the love, of course, I always like to give a couple shout outs to some stuff going on in the podcast universe around us. My other podcast, Strange Indeed, we are still blasting through season three of You on Netflix. We are like past the halfway point. That's what we get when we're doing two episodes a week. But uh, (laughs) it's been a lot of fun. We're having a good time with that one, for sure. As far as what we're doing next after that... We still don't know, but we'll let you know as soon as we know. We'll uh, figure something out. We did finally get a release date, actually release dates for Stranger Things 4. So that'll be interesting. it's coming Um, sooner rather than later this year, this summer. Be on the lookout for that. Yeah, we'll be covering that when those come out uh, for sure. That's, you know, yeah, summer. So something to look forward to over there. But between now and then, I'm not sure. We'll probably find some other series to play with or some movies or something. We always (laughs) have something fun to do. Yes, you do. (laughs) Yeah, but as of right now, we are still working through season three of you. So if you were a fan of that, then check out our coverage. Oh, yeah. I listened to some of your coverage. I heard some of the you stuff at the end of it, the two of you. It was really funny. Uh Did you finally get caught up, or are you just just listen to, to the end? Sometimes I like to hear what you say about our podcast, so like what we have uh, coming up. So I was like, "Oh, I'll just check that yeah. out." And I, when I put it in, like in line, it was back far enough where it was. <laughs> it was great. I just pulled that out of nowhere. Rima was getting a kick out of that too. I haven't listened back to it, so I don't know. Not, she was like cracking up. Yeah, uh, it's fun. <laughs> and then she got yeah. into it. It was fun. <laughs> it's definitely fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, also in the Podcastica network there where that is at, House Podcastica has just wrapped their coverage of Book of Boba Fett. And so they are now coming back around with a deeper dive, a, a look at episodes one through five, one episode at a time 
at a time of yellow jackets and there will be a certain somebody who will be co-hosting on all of that stuff yes and hint it's not me it's me (laughs) i love that show and jason decided that we would come back around with yeah like you said a deeper dive on those first five episodes I went and looked to see how long our first episode was when we covered the first five episodes. And it was shorter than I think any other episode that we did. And I don't know how on earth it was so short because those episodes were so (laughs) packed. So I'm looking forward to going back and talking about them. They will be spoiler filled. So we're going to take into account everything we know and everything we saw in the season. So going to be great yeah that's awesome can't wait that uh and then yeah the whole podcastica network is kind of going through a little refresh so that's really cool so uh go to podcastica.com i don't know if jason has all the links and stuff finished 100 percent yet or not but the website's looking really cool really easy to find a lot of great podcasts over there strange indeed house podcastica walking dead cast and then like yellow jackets and boba fett and cobra kai and everything else they're doing he's breaking those out into separate podcasts outside of their like home podcast feeds as well. There'll be both. So you can find all kinds of podcasts over all kinds of great shows. So give Podcastica some love and go check that out. Yes. Speaking of Walking Dead cast, which is like the flagship show for Podcastica, it will be back next week. This weekend is the AMC. uh, Well, I was going to say AMC premiere, but that's confusing because <laughs> AMC premiere is it so, already yeah. had the first episode of the new season block up last weekend, but the premiere on AMC officially is this weekend. And so they will be covering the first episode back of walking dead um, after that airs on Sunday this weekend. So check that out. Did you watch it yet? I have watched you it. Did? <laughs> yes. I have not. I, have. I feel like I, <laughs> I want to wait, but maybe I will just, like watch it ahead this time and then when we get to the the final chunk of episodes i'll watch it like in order when it is released it's just weird to do it i guess a week ahead it Mm -hmm. just feels funny yeah but i had to see it i was excited i was like walking dead's back i don't care i'm watching it you just can't wait sunday night i was on yeah yeah (laughs) but i'm excited so yeah if you're a walking dead fan definitely check out the walking dead cast on podcastica and a couple other things, Panels to Pixels has two shows going on right now, two episodes coming out a week on a feed, Steve and Lara covering The Witcher Season 2, and then Steve and Daphne. Daphne, you are busy. Yellow Jacket, Run for Your Lives, and <laughs> yes. Snowpiercer Season 3 right now, and too. I'm not used to that, because usually it's you. Like, <laughs> I'm not the one that's usually super busy, but um, yeah, I am for the next few weeks. It's going to be great, though. I love it. I love the show so much, so it's going to be great. And Snowpiercer has been fantastic this season. I think it's the best show that's on a regular cable network that it actually acts like it's on HBO sometimes. And Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's pushing things. Cool. So, yep, if you're a fan of Snowpiercer or The Witcher, check out Panels to Pixels. Also on Adrenaline Cinema this week, Mark and Megan are discussing Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I know. Classic. I know. They're getting up a classic. So, always great. Always break into some really fun movies over there. And then, of course, on the Watched It in the 80s podcast with our friend Damien, 
Him and Jason are covering Ferris Bueller's Day Off this week. Another classic. <laughs> so lots of good classic movies to go check out. And yeah, that's all that's going on right now. Uh, so go check out all those podcasts if you need some more great like TV and movie podcasts. Always so many good things going on in Podcastica and Pirate Core and all of our little crew here. Always <laughs> fun stuff to check out. <laughs> Definitely. But of course... Right here on Run For Your Lives, what do people have to look forward to next week here? Well, we're coming to the end of season three, and you know what that means. It's time for us to cover another film from one of your favorite horror franchises. We're Mm -hmm. going back in time to when Perfection was Rejection, and Hiram Gummer was a mine owner and not a gunslinger, like his great-grandson Bert. Join us as we discuss the 2004 direct-to-video film Tremors 4, The Legend Begins. Yay! Another another Tremors <laughs> <laughs> installment. Yeah. Always a lot of fun. We end our seasons with, with Tremors and then our Look Back special. I know. So that'll be in two weeks, and we'll talk about that more a little bit next week, but... Yeah. I'm excited to to get into that. It'll be a lot of fun. I am so glad that we decided to end each season with the Look Back special and a Tremors movie. Because Mm -hmm. it just gives us something really fun. And not that it's always lighter, but it is kind of lighter than some of the movies we cover. And so it's just kind of this easing into the end of the season. And I love it. Yeah. I can't wait to... uh, break this one down because i've never seen it so it should be interesting yeah, we're getting into trimmers territory that you're not familiar with yeah uh, so that always gets fun yeah it's gonna be great <laughs> and with that we've reached the end of another fun episode thanks everyone for listening i'm daphne and i'm Pake. and if you have to run you better run for your lives bye-bye